Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 10 through 16. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It has a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates are inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city has twelve foundations, and on them are the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I have friends visiting today, first time they're in, and the crazy pastor's preaching from Revelation. Way to go. What have we done? We are in the midst of an Easter sermon series entitled, Consolation, consolation. And I I want to remind us what we mean when we say consolation. Remember, this is a spiritual direction term during the season of Lent. We talked about desolation, also a a spiritual direction term. But, But consolation is something different. Desolation had to do with living life with closed fists. You're sort of isolated and and walled off. But consolation is something completely different. It is a life lived with this particular posture, a life lived with open hands. And we've been saying this time and again. A person dwells in a state of consolation when she or he is moving toward God's active presence in the world. And we know we are moving in this way when we sense the growth of love or faith or mercy or hope or all of the above. So, why have a series called Consolation for the Easter season? We are in the season of Easter. It's after Easter Sunday, but like we try to say every year, let's don't let Easter just be a Sunday. Let's don't let it be just one day. It is a whole season, and that entire season ought to at least season the rest of the way that we live our lives, the entirety of the year. So, where might we find the active presence of God in the world? Where, where might we find this consolation, the source of consolation? I would submit to you, it would be really great if we could find it in the church. <laughs> and all God's people said, oh, not too bad. But not the building per se, right? Not, not the building per se. That's not to say that a building isn't a good thing and a necessary thing. Yesterday, and I'll talk more about this later, we housed and hosted lots of different things, and, and, I, and I think that it was good. We had a lot of things here yesterday that fall into the category of, I think, uh, what is meant here by the term consolation. But I don't really mean the building. I, I, what I'm saying is this, if, if there is going to be found here on the planet the active, moving presence of God, it needs to be found amongst the people of God, the people of God, otherwise known as the church. Hear me. Uh, that term church does not, for many people, generate good feelings. I mean, church hurt is a thing. Now, I mean, it's a, it's a whole topic. You can find whole books, whole podcast series. I mean, you can find whole conversations about church hurt. Get it. And in fact, guilty as charged so many times. And in fact, we have at times been that church to deliver those hurts. All of that said, just because it has been true doesn't mean that it 
needs to necessarily be true anymore. And I still believe that the local church, the local church, is the hope for an embodied Christian movement going forward. I still believe it. Now, in today's passage of Scripture, we're going to be talking a lot about the local church, but you're going to hear some different labels, different metaphors we'll be, we'll be working today, and sometimes the author is going to go back and forth, but let's just go through these. You have heard some of these before. Uh, we are known as the body of Christ. You've heard that before. We are also known as a kingdom of priests, but today we'll also be known as the new Jerusalem coming out of the sky even. And beyond that, here's a term, the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. I have heard that word bride a lot in my house, not too, uh, for the last several weeks and months. That's, it has happened quite a bit. And I have learned a lot about how much it takes to prepare the bride for the big day. Friends, did you know that prior to the wedding day, there is such a thing as like a practice makeup session? I am not kidding you. There is also a thing called like a practice hair session. That is a thing. It happens. I, don't, I had no idea these things. Like, I'm going to go practice getting my hair done, get my hair did, and get my face did. For the, I've never heard such a thing. But it strikes me that it takes a lot of work to get ready for the day. There's a lot of work that's done. Similarly... The time that we're in right now, the era that we're in right now, this is the time when God is working on the bride, preparing us for, let's call it, a a great wedding day. I I would remind us again, those of you who are here for the first time or for the thousandth time, if you're here for the thousandth time, uh, this is not going to be new for you, but we aren't reading the book of Revelation in a way that leaves us with this sense of an angry God who is just kind of chomping at the bit and waiting for a chance to destroy the earth and take all the nice people elsewhere. I, I don't think that's in the Bible. What we think is happening is actually uh, a current that runs opposite to that. It's not that we leave here to go there. It's that God, who is everywhere, comes here to finish what God started. Here's another way to understand the church. The church is this great place of overlap. Now, this concept of overlap between heaven, where God is, and earth, where we are, this whole concept of overlap is not new to us. There was a a time, a long time, and in in some places still, and in some hearts and minds still, the temple was that place of overlap. The temple. The the temple where God would have access to God's people, but also where God's people would have access to God in this space of overlap. And in the great temple, there was a room, uh, like an inner sanctum. And behind this giant curtain, there was a cube, a perfect cube. Now, the cube itself wasn't God, because we aren't idol worshipers, but the cube in its perfection was representative of the always being there presence of God, the cube. It's important. We'll come back to that. But then there came a moment when the temple was destroyed, and then there was this Jesus character who actually said right out loud, destroy this temple, and I will build it back in three days. In other words, he was referring to himself then as the temple. In other words, he was saying what you used to rely on the temple to do and to be, to be that place of overlap, the gateway between heaven and earth, Jesus said, this is wild, I am now that gateway. I I am the place of overlap. I am the means whereby God's people would have access to God and where God would have access to God's people. And then the unthinkable happened, y'all. They killed that man. They killed him. And God brought him back. Remarkably, God brings him back. But then, in what may be just as miraculous, then this Jesus looks at us, breathes on us in so many different ways and says, okay, now you really are going to be the body, the tangibility, the visible reality of Christ in the world. And in so being, guess what? You also get to take the overlap mantle 
Not from me so much as you will share it with me. And so now, in the same way that the temple before was this place of overlap, in the same way that Jesus was himself for so long, that place of overlap, now it is the body of Christ along and empowered by this Jesus that is the place of overlap between heaven and earth. What are we doing when we gather? Another way to ask the question is, who are we as we gather? Like, what, what is the point of a church? It's an excellent question. What is the point? And a and, little, little bit of a cynic here, I have the same question about lots of churches. What are we doing? What, what are we doing if we, if we are gathering behind locked doors and high walls just to differentiate between us and the bad people out there in the hopes that God will salvage us even if he wrecks everything else? Friends, that's not the heart of God. That's not what we see in the person of Christ, nor are those our marching orders as the body of Christ. And please, all God's people said, I like that's really good. Y'all are doing really well today. A church is the place of overlap. Now, the book of Revelation is going to give us more to say and more to think about what it means to be the church. Revelation is what it is. It's a piece of art. It is apocalyptic literature. But what they're going to say today, what the author is going to say to us today is this. No, a church is far more than just a gathering for a production Listen, and what we do here is important, but it's more than this. In fact, we need to know how our liturgies are aimed, how they're utilized. But a church is an indication in the present, in this space, of what God wants to be true everywhere, even beyond this space. Whoa. Okay. I'm going to say it again because I don't know why you didn't interrupt in applause right there, right? Okay, here it comes. A local church, listen, and local churches have trouble operating perfectly. Can we agree there? But a local church can be the place where people get a glimpse of what God's eternity might be. We, we call them around here thin places. <laughs> the, the ministry team, we have this this strange way of referring to things and with strange terms, and this is one of those times. We, we call these places thin places. Places where it seems like the distance between heaven and earth is really thin. Like maybe hidden just behind a veil. We have those periodically. And sometimes they're small-ish and they don't get a whole lot of Fanfare, let's say, but when someone suffers a wound, <laughs> when someone loses somebody out of time, when there is the kind of sorrow that you just can't, you can't make sense of, to then see some of the other people of God come alongside and take the very posture of God, which is in these moments an arm around a shoulder and an invitation to lunch, <laughs> to weep with. I see that as a thin place. Yesterday, just out those doors, we had uh, something that we call uh, that we called a peace summit, and there were in the same room uh, convicted criminals, ex-gang members. I mean, maybe they're still in the gang, but they're not doing the bad things anymore. I don't know, Brandon. You know, it's one way or the other. But there were gang members in the same room. There were police officers. There were people running for office, people already holding office. And in fact, in one case, we had the two different candidates who were competing for the same office there in the same room. And we had pastors. And there was this moment when a woman who has pastored in Oklahoma City for 25 years or so, a black woman, stood up and actually said something like this. She said, man, the first thing I saw when I walked in was a, a, a table full of police officers all in full uniform, all sitting together, and I was intimidated by it. 
She goes, I, I, maybe it was just my instincts took over, but when I saw them, and this is a 60-year-old woman, she said, I didn't know what else to do but to walk to the other side of the room and always got my eyes on you all at that table. And she was saying all of this into a microphone. She was saying all this, talking about how frightened she was to see this table full of police officers. One of those police officers involuntarily got up, walked across the room doing this, and they had a long embrace. It's a thin place. A thin place. Where you can catch at least a little glimpse, a little glimpse of what God desires for eternity to be like. The new Jerusalem coming out of the sky, also known as the bride, the new Jerusalem actually means the city of peace. Maybe we got a glimpse. Maybe we got just this much. Maybe we got 15 seconds worth of a glimpse of what it could be like. That's, in a nutshell, what God hopes for us. That we would, right here and now, be a part of the kingdom that is now, though we acknowledge it is also not yet. I hope that you get a glimpse of this future every time you're around the table. When we revisit our origin story, and I would remind us again that all of faith starts not with your decision for God, but with God's heartfelt suffering decision for you, for us, for each of us. That's what we celebrate around the table. And in celebrating around the table, we try to make the point week in and week out, this, if we'll let it, will absolutely organize us, animate us, such that when we go outside of this room and we go wherever it is we're going to go throughout the week, to our homes, to our places of work, as we drive, wherever we go, when we are face-to-face with our closest friends, with our family, with our enemies, with our opposites, with our irritants, we actually believe that the longer we are around this table, that we are actually organized to be people who show up in all of those different spaces characteristically as people who are loved first, who are hosted first, who now understand the calling to love and host. Does that make sense? What God says to us, church people, is this. (laughs) Yes, you are called to stand out, but I don't know if it means to stand against or stand apart. What you're called to do and be, and we say it every week during something as simple as the meet and greet, everything we do is rehearsal. You understand that, right? Everything we do in this room rehearses us in a particular posture that we're meant to employ all the places, even in a meet and greet. We are meant to be the people, having been hosted by God, who host others. Make some sense? Well, even if it doesn't, I'm going to keep going. So last week we had a great, and that, that musical really got to me last week, our kids' musical, because I really thought it really captured this essence that we are a people on mission, of mission, Let me read to you some of the verses I might have preached from yesterday and highlight one verse in particular. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. Everybody everybody seeing? Everybody seeing how this is working? God is coming here. Is everybody seeing this? God is coming here. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am renewing everything. Not I'm destroying it all and making something different somewhere else. That would be a completely different sentence altogether. What this says, what this says is, I am coming there. I have been in the process of renovation and transformation. And at some point, we will finish it. Because I'm not making all new things. I'm making all things new. Skipping down to verse 9. Then one of the seven seven angels 
who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and said to me, come over here. Let me show you how this bride has been transformed. The wife of the lamb. Again, I think that's us. We are in the process of being shaped and formed and transformed. Now, are we yet the perfect spouse? We are not. (laughs) Does such a creature even exist, you know, the perfect spouse? I don't think so. But with God, all things are possible, right? (laughs) But that's what we're doing here. We come here to entrust ourselves, not just to a, a process. We come here to entrust ourselves to a God who knows us better than we know ourselves, to step even more closely into a, the kind of companionship and partnership that results in transformation. You know, you know, I'm told that the longer people live together, the more they look like one another. This can only mean that Kelly's going to get taller. Or I'm going to get shorter. I don't know. That could be, yeah. But that's what we're doing here. We come here, and over a period of time, we are being shaped to be a good spouse. Are you still in? Verse 10. As Tamar read before, and in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain, showed me the Holy Spirit, the Holy City, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. By the way, God here, you know, everything started in a garden, but God does like cities. It may not seem like it sometimes, but God does like cities. And in fact, in this passage and others, a city is where people live together. In this particular city, it's where people live together in harmony. Now, Lots of things here, lots of symbolism. And, and I, I'm going to way oversimplify it and not do it justice, and I apologize ahead of time. But all of these symbols tell us a couple of things the gates, the high wall with the 12 gates, and, and all of the, the different things that we'll see later about all of the shiny things that are everywhere. This does a couple of things. It tells us that this dream that is being realized in chapter 21 is in continuity with the dreams that God has had and has articulated in earlier books of the Bible, whether it's about the tabernacle and Exodus, some dreams about the temple. These are some of these same dreams, and the story continues. It's not just the old prophets, but it's also the apostles who are building on top of the foundation of the prophets. God is saying, hey, I'm still about this story, and this story is going to work out, people. This story is going to work out. But then there is this, then there is this verse, verse 15. The angel who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. And the city lies four square in the length of the same of its width. And he measured the city with this rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. That should trigger something in our memories. This is the reason I told you what I did about that cube that was behind the curtain earlier. They understood that to be the holy of holies. What's being said here is, hey, the holy of holies is going to be so big it will encompass, well, everything. Everything, the essence of God, the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, of God. It's not going to be localized behind a curtain somewhere. It's going to be absolutely everywhere. So much so, verse 22, this is odd, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is God. Is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And by the way, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by this light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. N.T. Wright says this, In the New Jerusalem, and that's us, The New Jerusalem is thus a place of safety and inclusion. Its gates are always open. And a beacon of hope to all people. Nations will walk by its light. This, then, is the vision held out for the church's own life. It is a place of consummation for the purposes for which God created humanity. You you should know this. 
There are some passages of Scripture that drive my thinking as it has to do with how we are going to continue to build and design and operate Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. This is one of those passages, the entirety of the book of Revelation, but in particular, chapters 21 and 22. Also, Isaiah 58. Oh, Isaiah 58, where God's people will be called repairers of the breach, restorer, restorers of streets to live in. Man, that, that stuff reaches me, and it pushes me to explore every opportunity that we might ever have to improve quality of life in any way for anyone. John, I think the church is doing too much. I kind of think you're right. What should we cut out? It's a lot. I mean, we're trying to do things in the field of medicine, in the field of education and literacy, food security. We're trying to do things with addiction and recovery and, and reentry and all those kinds of things. We're, we're trying to do a lot of different things, all the while trying to do discipleship and, and trying to do our liturgies well and all those kinds of things. What are we doing? It's like a, it's like a cheesecake factory menu around here. It's like chapters. Why can't we be like Aishans? They can fit their entire menu on a postage stamp. Why can't we be like them? Why does our menu have so many chapters? And, and, and i got to tell you, and I've always had really good staff members who are like, are you serious? One more thing? I won't tell you who, but his name is Jason. <laughs> it's okay. It used to be Maria. Um, <laughs> sorry. Here, here's why. I think... We're here to be the first evidence of what could be. I think this bunch of people, 4400 Northwest Expressway, is supposed to be a first evidence of what could be everywhere. That the people of God would understand themselves to be called not just as souls for someplace hereafter. I'm not saying that none of that's true. I'm not saying that. In fact, hear me say this. I think all that stuff is true. So long as you get the here and now and the body part right. I think we are here to, as best we can, be a source of light, help, hope, maybe even the water of life for the folks around us. No matter where, that takes us, criminal justice reform, food security, ministry to and alongside marginalized communities, the therapeutic world. <laughs> we should go wherever people need help. Chapter 22. Verse 1, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, always helping, season in, season out. There's always something there, uh, something there to help and feed and nourish, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. The marriage between God and God's church, hear this, should always result in sustenance and healing. And this is not the first time we've heard this in the book of Revelation. I mean, all the way back in the letters to the churches, there are several indications, none more clear than to the church in Laodicea. And, and I'm telling you again, I'm, I'm going to pound this nail one more time. I'm sorry if you're tired of it. I'm not quite yet tired of it, so just hang in there. But you know the whole thing about you are neither hot nor cold, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth? Again, we have said, I have heard said, perhaps you have too, this is why God prefers a faith that's hot or cold as opposed to a faith that's lukewarm. That is nonsense, y'all. A faith that's cold that maybe allows for violence and those sorts of things? No, that's not what's being said there. God would prefer you not be violent even if it means that what you are as a result is lukewarm. Be lukewarm and nonviolent as opposed to cold and super violent. Okay? Great. I like that. No. What's being said there is this. Look, in Laodicea, 
with no natural water source, you were piping in cold water from Colossae and hot water from Hierapolis. Problem is, through that system of tubes and tunnels and cisterns, by the time it got to, to Laodicea, oftentimes it was lukewarm and kind of lukewarm water can make you kind of sick. The point here is not that you should be hot or cold. The point here is not about apathetic faith. The point here is that the church should be a source <laughs> of refreshment or therapeutic resource for its neighborhood and its people. If you're not going to offer your people and the people around your church cold water for refreshment or hot water for some semblance of therapy, help, healing, then what are you doing? Let me answer that. You're not doing anything. And that's when God wants to spit us out of God's mouth. And so we say things around here, and it didn't start with me, it started with, it started with my mentor who sits back there. And so we say this on a regular basis. And maybe this gives you some idea uh, as to why. We are learning to do these three things. Friendship with? Well, that was weak. <laughs> friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. And in so doing, in being part of that process, in giving ourselves to those endeavors, we are participating in our own transformation. We are the bride getting ready for the big day. We are the kingdom now and not yet. Which means it's really important <laughs> that we lean into this hospitality thing. Now, I am going to meddle for about a few minutes and then I'm going to get off the stage. We have gotten a little bit better here recently of asking our new people about their experience. Been, we've gotten a lot of really good help. And here is what we have found. That if we can ever get people in the room, it's pretty good. But folks, do you realize how hard we make it on people who are brand new to our campus? <laughs> Uh, parking is a disaster. Does everybody know that parking is a disaster out there? Okay. I'm going to get in some amens there. I knew I would. And for some reason, we have a church that has no main entrance. So, look, so if you're, and here's what has happened, like, over the course of the pandemic, and, and thank you, Zach, for the live stream, but what has happened is people have found us online, and then they decide, they summon the courage to come to the building, and we make it as hard as we possibly can for them to get actually inside the building. We've got to do better with signage, for sure. We've got to do better. We've got to be better hosts. Here's what we need. I need some of you to listen as God calls you to the ministry of parking lot attendant, parking lot host. We, we need, and we have great greeters, and man, there's nobody better than Larry Bennett. If you've been loved by Larry Bennett when you've come in, you've been loved. Amen. That guy is great. I just need 25 of them. And, and I need them out in the parking lots. I, don't, I say I. No, our, our, our guests need folks out there who will say, welcome. We don't have a main entrance, so let me just kind of help you get to where you need to go. <laughs> That's, this is one of the things that we heard from the new folks. It's like, well, it's kind of a hard nut to crack. I mean, it's kind of hard to get in because we aren't really, we aren't really intentional I'm sad to say, and I bear more responsibility than anybody else. We aren't really intentional where the brand new person is concerned. Thing is, I can be as intentional as I want to be, but I, I, I need your help. Remember that whole Enneagram thing? Remember the strengths thing? If you're a woo person, and I know some of you are, and I may start pointing at you. If you're a woo, woo person, we need you to help us welcome and host people, especially the folks who are new to our campus. Help us. That was one of the things that we heard. Here's the other one. This person said, okay, so we finally figured out the building and figured out how to get in. And we got into our pew, and we actually like what's happening. Here's, here's the next part. It is obvious that you have a church that has groups of people who are very tight-knit, and we do. And hear me, I celebrate that. 
We have folks who are very, we have whole groups. I mean, y'all take vacations together, like 15 and 20 at a time. It's ridiculous. I mean, there are groups who, who meet and so enjoy one another's company that it is in and of itself God-glorifying. You know what would be even more God-glorifying? Is to have an open seat. Now, something else our pastor told us years ago, the kind of community we're going to build here, this intentional, narrative, liturgical understanding of the entire scope of the story, here's what's going to happen. These folks will get tight because we're going to stand up on the tables and scream community all the time. And at the very same time, that might make it hard for people to break into the innermost circles. Again, I can be as hospitable as I want to be, but what we really need is for people to have hearts big enough for one more and one more. Are you just trying to grow a giant church? No, I'm actually of the opinion that what we're doing is good and right, and if we'll continue to do the good and right thing, (laughs) we will force creation to experience more and more of the kingdom that is now but not yet. Not about numbers. Aaron Bolojack and I have this discussion all the time because Aaron, good man as he is, is always the one who's tasked with counting and making sure that we're reporting. And I do not care about those things. I wish we could make up a really cool number and just say, we had 10 million every week. <laughs> Watch that. What kind of statue can you get, Pastor Green, if you have 10 million in church every week? Woof. I don't care. I do care about the kingdom that is now and not yet. I do care that we would be a local outbreak of that kingdom that is now and not yet. But in order for us to be the most faithful version of the kingdom that is now and not yet, here's what we have to be. Hosts. People of hospitality. People of intentionality as it has to do with the new and the new to the inner circle. What we have to be is reflections of the one who hosts us each week. This is why we do this each week. Because we believe that there is something, there's transformational power in these moments. You don't even have to know it, that it's happening. We believe that in the very process of participating in the remembrance of the story that we hope opens our eyes to the very presence of God who continues to host us, we think that in that very motion we are shaped to be better hosts. I'll say it like this periodically. This is the bread taken, blessed, broken, and given. And we should eat so much of it that we finally start to think of ourselves as the bread taken, blessed, broken, and given. Maybe you are what you eat. So if you are helping us today, please come and take your spots. If you are visiting today or if you are new to our fellowship We do this every week. It's called communion by intention. But let me say this up front. All are invited, but none are compelled. All are invited. Here's what we mean. In a moment, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. Exit your pew to the left, to the left. And then come forward. If you choose to participate, come forward with your hands cupped. As you do, you'll see that there'll be somebody holding a plate of bread. Our hands are cupped here because what we receive in these moments is gift. It is grace. You don't reach out and grab it, snatch it. You can't pay for it. It is coming to you as a gift. As you approach the person holding the bread, that person will take a piece, press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread. Don't eat it just yet. Dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. That person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then, if you would, circle back around and either go to your pew or perhaps find a place to pray. But do go back and find a place to pray. Pray that God would make us, us, into good hosts. That God would shape us, yes, each of us, but shape us as a fellowship Shape us to be good hosts, people of hospitality and welcome. 
Yes, for the first-timer, but also to the one who's looking for a close friend. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will understand that as a request for a prayer for healing. And it could be physical healing. It could be mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. If you need a prayer for healing, if you'll come to this altar, it'll be Pastor Daniel Moreira who will meet you here and pray this prayer. If you come over here, if my friend Jim Williams is available, could you pray with people who are over here? If you come for a prayerful healing, we will anoint you with oil. There's nothing magic about the oil. We just want it to symbolize and communicate the sticky companionship of God that sticks with you in the midst of your brokenness. If you'd like to make a special trip down here, there's a little bowl of water. Each week I come and just dip my fingers into this water because in this way I am reminded of the moment of my baptism and inclusion into this people who have a mission, a people of mission. I'm reminded that I belong when I touch that water. Again, if you recognize your need for grace, you are welcome. None, though, are compelled. If you want to sit this one out, you can. Maybe you'd like to participate, but you're not sure about all of this. There are people at each aisle who are going to dismiss you by row, by the way. They have some prepackaged elements, and once I do the liturgy, as soon as you get one of those, if you're more comfortable taking those, then just do that. It works just as well, and just take it as soon as you get it. It was on the night our Savior was betrayed that he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including today, remember, remember me. In the same way later he took the cup, held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, blood now shed for you. And every time you drink of it, including today, May 22nd, 2022. Remember that this all starts in the heart of God. Now all across the sanctuary, if you would, all who would participate, if you would stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God. still coming. I'm going to go ahead and start this brief season of prayer. I'm going to pray prayers of, lead us through prayers of confession before turning it over to Jason. 
are prayers of consolation. Heavenly Father, we confess that at times we aren't good hosts. We confess that there are times when we are content with the circle just as big or as small as it is. We confess, God, that sometimes it's the newness itself that frightens us, intimidates us a little bit, seems like a lot of work. But God, would you please grow our hearts now, having received the bread and the cup now, God, resource us to have bigger hearts. Help us, God. Help us, God, to see the value and the beauty of expanded hearts to make room. Now, if you would, I'm going to ask you to pray your own prayer of confession. How is it that God has spoken to you today? Might you be part of a very specific effort in a parking lot? Or might God be saying to you now, well, it's just time to enlarge your heart. But pray your own prayers of confession even now. this. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Pastor John, this season of Easter has invited us to have a prayer of consolation. And so we're going to have another one of those prayers, a different type of prayer that I've learned through spiritual direction courses. But I want to invite all of you to take that posture that we've doing these few weeks, which is just taking a seat, whether you're here with us in the sanctuary or watching at home online. Probably can't do this if you're driving and watching. So hopefully you're not driving and watching this moment during the service. But put your feet flat on the ground and take that open hands posture. Perhaps God has something for us during these moments. And this is a prayer using our imagination. And I want you into these moments to invite God as you imagine your favorite place in all the world. That can be in your home around a dinner table. That can be in nature. That can be in the mountains or on a beach. It can be, I'm looking at one of my members who said, just in my living room with my dog. Just place yourself in your favorite place on earth, inviting God into that favorite place, into this imagination prayer. That this space that you would be able to smell, feel, hear, all your favorite things about this space and invite God into this space. And so as Mark plays, just be thinking about that space and we'll have a second half of our prayer of consolation as we've had every week. But in these moments, I invite you to just imagine with open hearts and open hands your favorite place in all of God's good, great creation. you think about that space, invite God into that space. You heard in Revelation 21 and 22 that God is everywhere. So invite God into that space during these moments. And now as you continue in this prayer of imagination, what would it look like for you to be able to make that space an open space for someone else? Some of you may have chosen this church as your favorite space. What would it look like for it to be open for someone else to join you into that space? So just think about that as you continue this prayer of imagination. continue in this posture. You can continue in your mind in that space of imagination as we continue in prayer these times with prayers of intercession. 
But thank you for praying that exercise of consolation with me. And may God bless the moments that he's given us together as we've prayed together. And now would you join me as we continue these prayers of intercession? Jesus, we come to you asking for your help and your love in the lives of people that we love. And we ask God for your continued healing in the life of Diane Dawkins, who had a pretty good week and got some good news. So God, we ask for continued good news, continued healing, continued growth in grace and in healing as she recovers from the surgery with her breast cancer diagnosis. God, we thank you for our good friend, Scott Peterson, as he recovers from his latest surgery to remove cancer from his body. He didn't have as good of a week and has spent most of this week back in the hospital. And so, God, we ask that you would surround Katie and all who love Scott and that, God, your healing touch would reach Scott Peterson even now. God, we ask that you would surround the Corder family, Scott and Beth and their girls. But God, as Katie moves, to, as Sadie moves towards an upcoming surgery, God, we ask that you would provide, that you would bring peace, and that God, you'd bring healing to Sadie. God, we ask that you'd be with all who've experienced loss. Ask that you would come along alongside of Jane Sparopoulos. So we had the memorial service for her son last night here that, God, you would reach out to, to Jane and her grandson, Sam, and the loss of Frank. And, God, we ask that you'd be with all who've experienced loss, transition, hurt. Matthew Larson lost his uncle this week. Some of you may know Paul, may have remembered Paul. All who've experienced loss and grief, that, God, that you would surround each people, people when they need you the most. God, we ask that you would take care of conflict, trials, war, violence, people who have gone through unimaginable hurt and pain. And God, we pray for the day in which this almost not yet kingdom comes to bear on earth as it is in heaven. And we, God, ask that you would continue to allow us to be people of peace and what that imagination looks like. God, it's in these moments we ask that you would transform us. And God, we ask you to do it day by day, week by week, and perhaps through a prayer like this. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and it'll be on the screen in front of you if you're unfamiliar with this at this time. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.